coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. Something that he said, like the biggest takeaway I got from it was importance of giving back to the community. The amount of volunteer work that he does like truly inspired me to get involved and do more volunteer work. And then also his other philosophy was just to always have something to look forward to. You know, and and there he was at I think it was ninety one when I interviewed him. I think he's ninety three now or something. That was Ralph Schurter sharing the two big things he learned from Joe Humphreys. PA fishing, brook trout, limestone streams, and travel tips today on the swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how are you doing today? Thank you for stopping by the show. We've got a nice little push going for Instagram. If you are on Instagram and haven't followed us, check it out right now, Wet Fly Swing. Wet Fly Swing on Instagram, and uh, you can submit your question for the next uh, guest we have coming on the show. And, uh, and you can do it right there, and we'll give you a shout-out and announce your question on the show. Today's episode is sponsored by Eastern Idaho's Yellowstone Teton Territory, Idaho's most renowned zone for fly fishing, from the Henry's Fork to the South Fork of the Snake, and all the high alpine lakes and streams in between. Yellowstone Teton Territory provides anglers and other outdoor enthusiasts with all the information they need to plan their next big trip. You can visit wetflyswing.com slash Teton right now to get the full list of outfitters, lodges, fly shops, and all kinds of inspiration to get you started on your next trip to Eastern Idaho. That's Teton, T-E-T-O-N, wetflyswing.com slash Teton. Ralph Schurter is here to take us into Pennsylvania and break down traveling and fishing uh, the north part of PA. We find out what Route 6 is all about and why you might want to take a tour up there. We get the breakdown on some of the most popular trout streams on this route. And we find out what dark skies fly fishing is all about. Pack up the kids, pack up the dog. We're starting our Eastern U.S. tour. Here we go. Ralph Schurter from DarkSkiesFlyFishing.com. How you doing, Ralph? I'm great. How about you? Good, good. Thanks for uh, putting this together today, and uh, and we're gonna dig into uh, PA, Pennsylvania. It's uh, I feel like it's one of the hot. I think it is one of the probably popular fishing states right around the country. You've got a lot of opportunities, and we're gonna dig into that today. We just got off episode um, recently with uh, George Daniel, and he dug into like Euro niffing, and he's up there, you know, in your neck of the woods around some of those famous streams. So. Um, we're going to dig into all that today, but before we get into PA, just talk about how you first got into fishing, and then we'll take it into um, kind of, you got some stuff going at Dark Skies Fly Fishing as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've been fishing as long as I've been able to hold a rod, but I really got into fly fishing when I was probably like 13, 14 years old. And uh, it's just been a progression from there. And um, I knew, you know, also very early in my life that I wanted to be a writer. And as an avid reader of you know, magazines and all that. I just started writing for a lot of magazines, started writing for some of the national publications, even while I was still in high school. And the past six, seven years, I mean, I've, I've made the majority of my living from selling freelance articles to magazines, uh, including some of the fly fishing magazines like uh, Eastern Fly Fishing, which is now American Fly Fishing, and had some fly fishing columns and some regional magazines. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I love it. It's has slowly progressed over the years. Now I have the website, darkskiesflyfishing.com. And, uh, that's where I do 
a lot of my fly fishing blog. And it also has like an online store component where I sell books and uh, flies and some other stuff. Nice. Where'd you grow up in, uh, in Pennsylvania? I grew up in Butler County, uh, about an hour north of Pittsburgh. And then uh, I had a camp in north central Pennsylvania for years and years. And my family's just been coming up to this area since the probably the 50s. And uh, so I had a camp in, in Prouty, Pennsylvania, which is the headwaters of First Fork Cinema Honing Creek. And it got to the point where I was spending so much time at camp fishing and hunting and all that, that my wife said, well, we may as well just move there. So <laughs> that's what we did. <laughs> there you go. A little over a year ago. Um, and just the fly fishing blog and the business end of things was just really taking me somewhere where I felt like I needed to live uh, within easy driving distance, easy access of some really quality streams. And Southwestern PA just didn't have that. Mm. You know, there was a lot of streams to fish, but a lot of them were marginal and they don't really have the fly hatches. They're really very much a put and take stocked fishery. So, you know, North Central Pennsylvania, I live in Cowdersport now, which is Potter County. I can literally be within, you know, 10 different class A streams within five minutes. You know, it's just, everything's here. And uh, it's just, that's where I needed to be if I wanted to continue doing what I love. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. So you basically, and yeah, Pittsburgh, obviously everybody knows about Pittsburgh. It's a big hub, but, um, but yeah, so you have, and what was the name of the town, uh, the nearest large town you live now? Yeah, it's Cowdersport. And uh, it's kind of interesting because the Allegheny river flows right through Cowdersport, the same Allegheny that flows to Pittsburgh, except that up here, up here, it's small enough. You can jump over it. And uh, up here, it has lots of wild browns. So, right, wild browns. Yeah. You know, so it's a little, it's it's funny to grow up knowing the Allegheny River one way, and then you know years later to live here and know the Allegheny River as a completely different fishery. Right, that's cool. So you know, we were just there. We're going to be coming back there again. We were fishing with Jeff Liskey. We were doing a steelhead school there, and we were in actually stayed in Ohio. But we uh, went over to, um, for a couple days, went over to just cross the border and fished uh, Elk Creek over there, kind of the upper north, right? Upper, I guess that's more northwest part of Pennsylvania. Yes. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. And so maybe we could start there on that area and work our way across a little bit and see. I'm just curious, you know, give a little feedback on like what, you know, the opportunities there are, you know, there. I mean, obviously there's steelhead there, right? Because you have a connection, the one little snippet connection to Lake Erie. But I guess, I mean, PA is known for trout, right? I mean, it's not, even though there are a little steelhead there, it's kind of known. Is trout, and what is the species of trout that it's most known for? You know, native brook trout is like, you know, goes to with Pennsylvania, like bread and butter. Like we have a very, you know, strong population, although it has suffered a lot in recent years and is declining in a lot of places. But we still do have just a ton of class A native brook trout streams. We also have a lot of wild brown streams just in general have maybe a mixed population wild browns native brooks and uh, you know just a lot of streams that are also put and take stocked with rainbows and browns but there's pretty good variety and i think you know if you if you are in the mood for something one day um you can go do it you know if you want to just bang away on the stock trout one day you can do that or if you want a little bit more finesse you know mountain stream brook trout you can do that <laughs> so it's you know, well, there's a lot of flavors for a lot of different appetites. Yeah, exactly. 
What is on uh, Pennsylvania? How is it different? I mean, you got New York. We've been there. We've talked a lot about that as well. And even some of the states, I guess, kind of south. How would you say Pennsylvania is different? I mean, describe like Pennsylvania. What's it got going there with the, I don't know, the geology, the fishing? Like, what is it, or is it similar to say what's going on in New York just up north? Oh, you know, it's a little similar, except Pennsylvania has, uh, you know, limestone streams as well as freestone. Uh, if you get down around uh, State College area, you mentioned talking to George Daniel. Yeah. That's where he is. So he's fishing a lot of the the spring creeks, um, you know, the limestone influence streams where, you know, it's just, there's extremely fertile, lots of wild fish. You know, spring creek is like one of the highest densities you'll find anywhere for wild browns. But uh, once you get up north of 80, uh, even a little farther, like along the northern tier of Pennsylvania, you start running, there's more freestone streams. We don't really have any limestone streams on, unless you go to the Poconos, there might be a few out that way on the eastern to northeast. But once you get really from, I would say like out of the Poconos and west, you know, it's pretty much all freestone and, uh, you know, they're, they're good levels stay great in the spring. Uh, a lot of times, so in the summertime, you know, levels drop and it's not really good to pursue a lot of them year round. You know, some of the, the wild trout streams, even they get up into the 70, 70s degrees water temperature. So, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not the year to round fishery that is on some of the limestone streams, but at times, you know, it's definitely great fishing. Right. And so what is your now, what is your, is it the Allegheny? Is that, or what is your home waters? I would consider my home waters the first fork of the Cinema Honing Creek, which is, you know, it's the stream that I grew up on. How do you spell that? Uh, first fork, just as it sounds. And then Cinema Honing is uh, S-I-N-N-E-M-A-H-O-N-I-N-G. There you so, go. Wow. That's a good, that's a serious <laughs> it's name. It's a mouthful. Yeah. It's a mouthful <laughs> there. It's a, a tributary of Cinema Honing Creek, and it's probably right around 40 miles or so. Distinctly different stream compared from its headwaters to its, you know, the end of it. But most of the, the best fly fishing would be in the upper half north of George B. Stevenson Dam. We had a, a really good special regulation section, which is a Keystone Select trout water, uh, which is stocked with bigger than normal trout every spring and fall and then uh, you get above there and then you start once you get north of like wharton and austin then you start getting into water that has a higher percentage of wild fish and uh, mostly wild browns and you know all the tributaries have wild fish in them so it's uh it starts to get into a really high quality fishery Right, right. And how are you on the uh, Honing Creek? Like, how are you fishing that? Are you kind of the type where you're like doing everything, nipping, dries, everything? Or do you have one specific type of technique you love? Uh, no, I'm using pretty much whatever works that day. It's constantly changing. I mean, it's an extremely fertile stream. So like, you know, to go there and say like, today I'm going to fish, you know, this nymph. Like for instance, last week, um, a waltz worm with like a little green tag on the bottom was just freaking killing them. I mean, it was like, it was absolutely murder. And then all of a sudden this week, it's not so good. <laughs> you know? Right. So, I mean, it's like that on all streams. And, you know, first it just has such great hatches. And if you can, you know, if you know when those hatches are coming off and you're basically, you know, whatever is there that day, 
and it can be different every day. Right, right, right. Cool. So, and what is your, so now out there, what it would be the nearest um, fly shop, you know, around that area, around your home? Well, well there aren't really Nothing any. Up there. Um, there's some small, like the Wharton General Store sells some flies. But you have to go to, where would you have to go to get into, uh, you know, I guess I'm looking around. Yeah, you're kind of fairly remote, right? You don't have any big cities near you at all. No, I'm pretty much, you know, probably the biggest entity for selling flies in the area and i actually don't have a, a brick and mortar shop but um but i get a lot of calls from from local people that want to buy you know they find me online and stuff but um but yeah there's i try to put it this way like i moved from butler uh, pennsylvania which is kind of a smaller town in you know relation to like you know the allegheny county like pittsburgh area and butler just the inner city population was seventeen thousand. Well, I think the population of all of Potter County is less than that. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like, so you go from an area where, you know, everybody's around to one space. And now, you know, we're in an area where we have to drive an hour for groceries. It's an hour and a half to Walmart. And, you know, it's like, and a lot of people can't handle that because it takes a lot of planning, you know, what you want to do and stuff. But um, I love it for those reasons exactly it keeps a lot of people from moving here it's a great place to visit i think almost anybody would say but you know a lot of people wouldn't want to live here i mean for gosh sakes we had a a bunch of snow just yesterday oh wow (laughs) yeah you're kind of up in the mountains a little bit right yeah yes yes yeah that's cool and then what is the um the i guess it's the pa right the pa route six.com it's kind of a kind of visit group talk about that because i wanted to make the connection between, you know, if you look at, like we said, Elk Creek there up near Lake Erie, and then you kind of have this route. Talk about Route 6, because I want to start talking about maybe some of the fishing opportunities there as well. Sure. Um, route 6 is a transcontinental highway. Uh, it begins on the East Coast near Boston, I believe, and uh, goes west all the way to the California coast. Oh, wow. That's amazing right there. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's the second, I think it's the second oldest transcontinental highway. Now, this is a story I could put together. This would be kind of cool. I could imagine, you know what I mean? Like, okay, we're going to fish uh, Route 6 all the way across the, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. That'd be pretty fun. <laughs> I know, right? It's kind of, it reminds me of that um, James Prozac book. What is it? Fishing the 43rd Parallel. Oh, right, right. Or whatever, you know, where he basically did that, like hit all the major streams that intersect this one, this one parallel. So yeah, it would, it would be kind of interesting because you would run into such a huge variety. You would, you would. Good. We'll have to look into that. But let's talk about the Pennsylvania arm of the Route Six. So what, you know, where would you like to start there? Do you start maybe start on the east and work your way across? Oh well, sure, yeah. Well, first of all, uh, Route Six runs through eleven counties across the northern tier. You know, it enters Pennsylvania right around Milford on the east from New Jersey. Uh, Milford, you know, a bunch of these towns out in the eastern. And are a little bit more populated because they're a lot closer to those big hubs of, you know, I think it's only an hour from New York City at that point. So, you know, you get into some streams that have suffered impairment over the years from industry, the lack of lana, the lack of wax. And these are excellent wild trout fisheries now, but they were also recovery streams now that you know, only a few decades ago. The cool thing about that is you still, you know, you're there near the salt, right? So I'm sure there's lots of salt opportunities right in that area somewhere i guess you have to go through new jersey yeah not far yeah if you go yeah once you get across the other side of new jersey absolutely perfect but right but obviously yeah pa it doesn't have a connection to um 
Uh, well, I guess it kind of does. Talk about that. That's all the geography, right? Does How close are you? Do you have a connection down there to the salt? I guess you do because the rivers are flowing right in there. Uh, if you went to Delaware, I believe that flows into the Chesapeake Bay. So the Delaware River basically forms the eastern uh, border of Pennsylvania. It flows all down there. So you you know you can follow the Delaware all the way to Chesapeake Bay and then into the, you know the ocean there. But, um, but yeah, Pennsylvania itself doesn't really have any access to to saltwater fishing. No, that's right. So it's Delaware. We talked about that on a recent episode where we. We were talking about the Delaware more up in New York, but yeah, the Delaware is an amazing system. I mean, it's, it's massive, right? I mean, it goes all the way through these huge, you know, hubs, right. Of all these States. Yeah. And oddly enough, I've never fished it. Right. (laughs) Well, you got Pennsylvania. That's one of those things where I, you know, I mean, you're in Pennsylvania. It's hard to, you know, you can't fish everything and I can see it being like, Hey, it's Pennsylvania. We got it all here. Well, you know, I think some people don't realize like how, how big Pennsylvania is. The Eastern state, like. Route, okay, just for instance, Route 6 comes in in Milford uh, on the, the east, and it goes out uh, just west of Lyonsville, Pennsylvania, on the west to go into Ohio. You're looking at 427 miles of highway. Yeah. So, you know, so it's a good seven-hour, six, seven-hour drive across, you know. So, and growing up in the western part, it was just... I wasn't going to drive seven hours to go fish the Delaware. I would, you know, a lot of times I was going, you know, two and a half hours was kind of my daily limit. And then if I could get away for whole days or weekends, I was going to camp in Potter County. So, you know, it was, I didn't really get out to the Eastern end of the state a whole lot. Right, right, right. Cool. So, so yeah, so let's take us out of the industrial area of that East, you know, you're heading out in and on six and what are you going to see? What's the first big, you know, are you going to see streams all the way along the way that are fishable? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, almost everything is at least minimal stocked. But once you get into like the Poconos, you get away from some of the more developed areas. You do start getting into more of the Class A waters, the little mountain brooks that come off of, you know, the, the mountains come down the steep grades and hollows and all that that are, you know, just prototypical, you know, your typical little mountain brook that has brook trout in it. Um, you know, you get in some of the bigger rivers, like I said, like the Lackawaxa and the Lackawanna. Uh, coming even further, you know, you start all of a sudden getting into the bigger mountains, what I would think of as the bigger mountains around the, the Endless Mountain area, like uh, Tunkhannock, um, Wailusing, you know, those areas where they're just, there's some pretty big, pretty steep mountains there. And then you get in, like some of the, the famous streams like Bowman Creek, you know, and coming through you get south branch of Tunkanic. and then uh it's really not much then for a while it's a lot of put and take uh streams because once they're done a lot of those streams were impaired at one time you know so you, you start getting into recovery projects yeah what was the nearest so there where you just stop what's the nearest town near that area oh uh, Tunkanic is is a pretty big little Big little, big little town. Right. So, in, in terms of small towns, there's a lot there. Right, right, right. Gotcha. And I, I think, you know, if you look at, like, what makes this area special is that it's not connected by a super highway. Oh, yeah. So Route 6 itself, one of the reasons it's such a big road trip attraction is that it's a two-lane road for, like, 95% of it, you know? Oh, wow. And so it's not 
necessarily the road you take when you want to get quickly from point A to point B. It's that road that you want to take that basically just connects a bunch of small towns across the northern tier of Pennsylvania. And a lot of those towns don't have uh, the brands, the uh, the big box stores, or they don't have, you know, they're mostly mom and pop stores. They're mostly artisan yeah, shops, cool. you know, a lot of handmade, like um, the PA Route 6 Alliance, you know, they have their artisan trail, which has like basically a lot of the the artists and like the the makers across Route 6 that just, you know, specialize in everything from like pottery to photography, jewelry making, various things like that. So, you know, that's what makes this area so special, I think, is that it's not, it's not commercialized. And a lot of the ways that like Southern Pennsylvania or like when you get through state college is so commercialized. But up here, I mean, it's still very much old fashioned. I hate to use that word necessarily, but, but it, like I said, we don't have the big name brand stores, you know, it's a lot of, it's old fashioned. It's the mom and pop shops where, you know, everybody knows you when you go into town and, and it's, there's a lot of comfort in that. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's great. I think that, and I, as you go across, I think like Erie, right? Erie, Pennsylvania is on the, is right on the lake. Is that right. the end or how did, yeah. Where does route six go once it hits the lake? How does it keep going? Uh, once you get toward Erie County, it kind of branches off and there's six N goes up to Erie and then actual route six continues kind of like in the Southwest toward Pima tuning lake area. Okay. And then I'll have to talk to Jeff uh, Liske on the, uh, as we get into Ohio, we'll follow up with the route six. Maybe we'll do this for a little bit and uh, see how it goes. Cause it's Ohio. It probably goes through Ohio and then keeps going. Probably India. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Good. Good. Okay. Awesome. And then what is the, in the visit group, it's kind of a PA, right? Basically the idea there is right. Promoting, having people understand, like maybe that's it. Like this thing is here. People maybe don't realize in Pennsylvania, what a cool place uh, route this is. Sure. And I, I think one of the things that like PA Route 6 Alliance does is that they're really into preserving what's here and also enhancing what is here while, you know, protecting things at the same time. So, you know, you get into like, there, there are always big businesses and industries that want to, want to develop places. But I think that, you know, one of our main goals is really to preserve what we call like the viewshed, you know, yeah. that they're like, they, that you can still have that traditional road trip experience, that traditional small town experience, you know, without everything being a rat race, honestly, yeah. you know? Uh, so it's, that's one of the things that we really focus on, uh, is the heritage aspects, you know, the historical aspects and what makes this area special. That's cool. Yeah. No, I'm excited. I, I think uh, next time uh, when we get up there, that'll be a, a nice little uh, trip. Uh, I think would be cool to hop on. That's you know, and, and like you said, it's going to take. If you did the whole thing, it'd probably be longer than seven hours, right? Because it's a slow little you know two lane road. Yeah, you know, it's only a um, you know fifty five mile an hour speed limit for most of it, but you know most of the time, a lot of times it's only thirty five or forty five mile an hour. So you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna do a mile a minute like you would on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Okay, perfect. And so talking about, so darkskiesflyfishing.com, that's your website that you've built, um, you've created. And talk about what you, what's there. It's, it sounds like it's a resource. Uh, like if somebody hasn't been there, what would they expect to see? Uh, I think they would expect to be inspired to get out and explore this area. There's so much great 
fishing in the northern tier of Pennsylvania, especially. But I always think of myself as a writer first, and I write blogs and articles that I enjoy reading. I have a lot of people that find it very entertaining. And, uh, they, you know, and I, I always try to do like these destination pieces and I try to do uh, here and there techniques or tactics or whatever. But, um, I really enjoy doing the destination type stories and, uh, exploring somewhere for the first time and writing about my experiences there, the good and the bad, the funny, the frustrating and everything in between. Nice. And what would be, you know, on there, what would be a recent or a, either a recent story or maybe something interesting that people could uh, check out and read? Probably one of my favorite ones that I just did recently was called um, Fishing and Lice, An Afternoon on Kettle Creek. Okay. Kettle. I think that's that probably one of my favorite ones. And it has gotten a lot of great feedback. It's hmm. been shared a lot and it's been read a lot. Nice. Kettle Creek. And where is Kettle Creek? Kettle Creek is just south of Route 6, about probably like 20 minutes from Route 6, 25 minutes from Route 6. So it's still within the corridor. If you looked at, say, Cowdersport, and then you looked at Gatlin or Wellsboro, whatever, wherever you wanted to go east, there's there's this big mountain in between called Denton Hill. And it's one of the highest points in Potter County. But so basically you go on the one side and there's like the first fork drainage and the other side is the Kettle Creek drainage. And they might only be, you know, on the map a handful of miles apart, but it takes you an hour to get from one to the other. Mm, <laughs> so, right. You know, yeah. Going up over the hill. But, but, um, so yeah, they're, they're both, uh, Kettle Creek is very popular stream and it's also fantastic. The hatches on Kettle Creek are, are phenomenal what's a big hatch during the year on kettle all of them oh that has all really so you got everything you got <laughs> yeah. mayflies uh yeah whatever yeah great early season hatches from the hendrickson's on to the cool garden isn't it right what's early season like right now it's kind of we're in may now what's going on in may anything you know this year has been really weird because uh this area overall the past two or three years has gone through significant drought the streams have been low extremely low uh first work for instance was pretty much the past two years has been running at about one fourth volume oh, wow. of what it should yeah um right around 130 to 150 cfs whereas usually it's up around four to five hundred cfs but in the same with kettle so i think a couple of years of low water it was warming up quickly in the spring and early summer and i think that that kind of compounded over two years and this year for the first time ever i mean i'm seeing hatches way earlier than usual so like end of march i was seeing blue quills on first work in kettle creek whereas traditionally you know blue quills wouldn't come until third week of april you know gotcha and then um two weeks ago a friend of mine hit a massive march brown hatch on kettle creek which March Browns you wouldn't see until probably middle of May, May 10th through the 15th, right around there. Quick break for a word from our sponsor. With more than 40 years of experience in coffee, the Angler's Coffee Team roasts a full range of coffee with one goal in mind, delivering excellent coffee to every single angler. Responsibly sourced from farms using sustainable growing practices, you can rest easy knowing you are doing your part. 
roasted and shipped within 48 hours to assure freshness. For me, it's all about that freshness and taste when I crack open a bag of Anglers in the morning. I feel good because I know not only does it taste great, but I am supporting great movements along the way. With a blend for every taste, a dry dropper on the go tea bag option, and a roast sampler, you know Joe at Anglers is serving your needs. It's time to step up to better coffee and more impact for the fish species and causes we love. You can head over to wetflyswing.com slash anglers right now to grab a bag of greatness today. That's anglers, A-N-G-L-E-R-S, to make a change today. So why is that? The March brown is an interesting one, right? Because, you know, obviously March brown, but May, right? Do you know any of the history there? I'm curious, because that's obviously a national, I mean, March browns are very popular. I wonder, I guess it was originally in March hatch, maybe? Or what are your thoughts there? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe because Mayfly was taken. I don't know. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> we'll do a little research on that to see who, who would know. That, that one's a yeah. tough one. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them, you wonder, like, why is that called this? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, we had a um, an episode, actually not too far from you. We were up in Maine with the Maine Fly Guys, and uh, and he was talking about just changes. Like you said, same thing, you know, changes in lower waters, higher water temperatures and talking about how some of these, you know, he was saying, Hey, brook trout days are limited, right? You know, numbered. I mean, he was talking big picture stuff. And, uh, and part of that, you know, even like the ice age, right? I mean, you go way back and stuff and talk about how things change. I mean, that's kind of the crazy thing, right? When you look at geologic time is that it's this kind of crazy thing where, well, we're seeing this little view now, but I mean, gosh, things could be totally different. And I don't even know, right? 500 years, a thousand years, that's something like that. Right. It's kind of hard yeah. to wrap your head around that because we're in this time zone where, you know, we're in this hundred year zone, right, of our own or whatever, a few hundred years. But yeah, I mean, gosh, it's probably going to change a lot as we go. And, you know, I was just talking to a friend about this the other day is that, um, you know, again, yeah, the whole scheme of things, like if you look at the temperatures, the average daily temperatures over the past 40 years, you know, they've definitely ticked up a couple of degrees. So yeah, that plays a role. But then like, I also remember in the mid nineties growing up, like fishing first work throughout like 95, 96, 97, there were some very lean water years. Yeah. Same thing. And it was just extreme drought, you know, and like the, the Mayfly hatches after that were just like pitiful for a while and things were just really tough. Like there weren't a whole lot of wild trout. And then I feel like it kind of rebounded in the past few years, even though there has been low water and drought i mean these have been like some of the best fly hatches i've ever seen in my life and i don't know if it's because you know maybe it's the sunlight hitting the bottom so the nymphs are more active and they're coming off in more concentrated amounts rather than spread out over a period of time or you know is it just that um i i don't know Or is there something else, you know? Is there something else? Exactly. Is there, you know, as far as the entomology, do you know of any like entomologists or people that are kind of, you know, would have a lot of these answers as far as what's going on with the bugs? Uh, not personally, I don't. And one of the things I, I know where I was, what my or was. Yeah. <laughs> it was, or is the water actually cleaner now than it was in the 90s? Oh, right. You know, I've noticed that a lot um, with some of the extremes. Is that like when I was a kid, First Fork had like kind of like this blackish tint to the water because there used to be a tannery. Oh, uh, one of the world's largest tanneries was right on First Fork throughout the early part of the 1900s. There you go. And 
you know, I hear stories of the 50s and 60s when the water was the color of ink, you know, and it still had a black tint when I was a kid. And now it's clearer than I've ever seen. And, you know, the fly hatches, like I said, are better now than they were 30 years ago. Yeah, I think that's the cool thing about it is that, you know, I mean, they are, uh, I'm sure bugs, right? They're resilient. So you have these, and you hear about that. Yeah, you have these areas where periods where the river's hammered, but yeah, they recover. You know, it takes time, but they do recover. It does, yeah. Time and diligence. Gotcha. Okay, so so we were talking uh, the first creek you mentioned there from your blog. What would be another one, uh, another story? You want to pull out another story off of your blog and talk about that a little bit, another stream? You know, I can't really yeah. right now. You have a lot. I mean, you have, like, talk about that. So what are you posting? How often are you trying to, are you trying to do, like, a regular posting schedule there? Uh, you know, I try to do one a week. Yeah. You know, I have, I have a bunch to write here yet. Um, but, yeah, I try to do one a week of some sort, whether it's a destination piece or whether it's a personal experience or something that, you know, technique or whatever, whatever I'm seeing at the time. So yeah, there's always something new coming on. Well, yeah, you got some, I'm looking now, you, you've got some tips, basically you've got some blogs. So you kind of get into a little bit of the tips and tricks. So it's not always necessarily just, Hey, this is the, the stream I'm going to and digging into that, but you have a lot of diverse content there. Right. Yeah. I try to, I don't try to focus too much on one area. You know, I don't think that's good either. And personally, I enjoy fishing in a lot of different places. Like first work is literally five minutes down the road for me, but you know, I enjoy even traveling out to Pine Creek and fishing through the Grand Canyon of Pennsylvania oh. and, you know, doing that and, or going down to Kettle Creek or Cross Fork or, you know, making the, the pilgrimage to Penn's Creek or Spring Creek or something, you know, I just enjoy, there's so much here in Pennsylvania that it's hard to say, nope, I'm just a one stream kind of fisherman. There's just there's so much that you can go on all the time, you know? Yeah. How does that compare where you're talking about like up at Kettle and some of those versus uh, Penn's Creek and some of that as far as the fishing? Is it much, is it harder or easier? Well, it's freestone. I think it's a little easier on Kettle probably because it doesn't get quite the pressure that Penn's Creek would get. And then you're dealing with mostly stocked fish. Uh, until you get into the headwaters of Kettle Creek or the tributaries, you know, then you start getting into some really finicky natives and wild browns. But, um, but yeah, it's overall as a general experience coming to this area. Uh, I don't think the fishing, you'd find it very difficult. Right. When you look at um, Pennsylvania, I mean, we talked about George Daniel. Who are some of the other people? I mean, you could talk about the Route 6 or maybe some shops or big name in the fly. Are there, who else is in there? Who are the big name folks or fly shops or guides that are up in that part of the, the world? I mean, George is probably, you know, you got George is probably the biggest. Joe Humphreys, right? Joe Humphreys is an incredible guy. I got to spend some time with him. Oh, you did? He was super. I did an article for him about him. I mean, for American fly fishing when he lived the stream uh, documentary came out a couple of years ago. Yep. So yeah, I got to spend a couple of days with Joe. What was that like? Freaking fantastic human being. Like yeah. he, he's very inspirational. Yeah. What do you mean by spend a couple of days? Hang out at his house, uh, Dow's basement, all his fly stuff and, you know, telling old stories and take us there for a sec on the, you know, his place. So, so what is like, you go down into his, does he have a massive fly fishing tying room sort of thing? Or is it more, yeah. What's that look like? Uh, you know, I think 
his desk, if I remember correctly, looked a lot like mine, which is it was pretty much in shambles and there was tiny materials everywhere, you know, and then there's like this red, you know, vice sticking up with, yeah. <laughs> you know what you think? Like you got to clear stuff <laughs> out in order to get to it. And, yeah. um, so, you know, I think we're all the same. Yeah. We're all, it's totally, no, I, I'm the same way. The, the only difference that I, one of the first things you notice when you go down to Joe Humphrey's uh, basement where his fly tying stuff is, is that you look to the right and there's this little carpet with like a set of weights on it because <laughs> you know, oh. he's like still at 90 years old, you know, God. lifting weights. <laughs> I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. When he, when you shook his hand, did yeah. it feel like he could still crush your hand? <laughs> well, I, I was, I was waiting for him to challenge me to wrestling match. Apparently that's, you know, yeah. a thing. That's so, right. Oh, right. Um, yeah. He, he enjoys doing that, but, but no, he's just a, a fantastic guy, inspirational. And I think something that he said, like the biggest takeaway I got from it was the importance of giving back to the community like the amount of volunteer work that he does like truly inspired me to get involved and do more volunteer work and then also his other philosophy was just to always have something to look forward to you know and and there he was at i think it was 91 when i interviewed him i think he's 93 now or something or 94 but uh there he was still trying to catch a 20 pound brown out of the arkansas river you know white river and and he was still trying to, or thinking about going out, trying to catch a muskie on a fly or, you know, and, and that's awesome. Like, you wonder why he's so happy all the time. It's like, he just always has something new to inspire him and something new that's to look so forward cool. to. Yeah. And it's a great, great way to live life. Oh, that's awesome. And where is his, uh, what city does he live in? He's in Bullsburg, which is right 10 minutes from State College. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's right. Still right in state. Yeah, college. he's down. He's down that way. Yeah. What's your take on that? When George, um, you know, when George is on, we talked a little bit about his. Uh, well, what Joe did as well, his university job. That's pretty interesting, you know, and pretty unique, right? There's this fly fishing. I mean, a, right? This this uh, program at state college. Do, do people talk about that around the state? Is there is that something that's kind of just hidden out there? Not many people know about. I think it's probably hidden out there a little bit, mostly. Uh, or I should say, especially with the younger generation. Right. So you didn't know about it when you were a kid, say in the nineties? No, I didn't. I didn't know about it. And here, I, apparently I just found out recently, one of my older cousins actually took the course with Joe Humphreys. There you <laughs> so go. I was like, well, why didn't I know this growing up? You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. How would you not but, know that um, your cousin? Right. That's crazy. Yeah. So, but overall, you know, there's, it was relatively unknown, I think, especially for the younger generation coming up because a lot of Joe Humphrey's books and all were, were done 20, 30 years ago. So, you know, that kind of height of his influence, yeah. maybe if you want to say, or it is, you know, because he did all the fly fishing schools at uh, the Allenberry on, on uh, Yellow Breaches Creek and stuff like that. Like, you know, so he was very much in the, the public eye of fly fishing, whereas now he's still out there doing things, but it's all like various events. You know, he's not, his name's not the magazines every issue. It probably was years ago, you know. Not anymore. No, but you have, but George Daniels' name is everywhere, right? He's definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think everybody would know George. I've never met, I've never met him. I, I would, I'm dead, but. Yeah. You know, you can't really, 
I wish I could provide some stories about George, but I can't. No, no, that's all good. No, we want to hear. We want to hear some more of your stories. So I was looking at one. So, so talk about the oil, um, the Oil Creek region. You have kind of a a book there that you talked about. What is the Oil Creek region? Uh, the Oil Creek region is made up of oil. Primary focus is Oil Creek, um, Oil Creek State Park. It's probably northwestern Pennsylvania's best trout stream. Oh, okay, and it's middle size stream. I would say like 60 feet wide right around there. Good flow to oh, wow, it. Yeah. You know, early in the spring, it can, it can look pretty large, but it has, you know, great fly hatches. Kind of interesting. The history there is, is really cool. You know, back in the 1800s, 1850s or 60s, I can't remember for sure. But um, that's where they first struck oil. In Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. Uh, and, I th- and it became the first fully functioning operating oil well in the world oh in the world right that's crazy yeah, yeah. oil oil creek yeah. state park and petroleum center right yeah and that was drake's well which there's a nice big museum kind of dedicated to it and yeah is it still pumping oil out it's still going i don't think i don't know if it's actually pumping oil but they have i don't know if it's the real well or a replica but there's one that as you're fishing you can hear it pumping up and down it, it kind of Sounds like somebody banging their dish on the table. <laughs> no kidding. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Right on. This is awesome. See, this is the part of the thing I think that, you know, like if you're coming there, if you're new to it, right, and you want to just travel around, I guess, what would be the recommendation there? Maybe we've talked about it already, but if we were coming there, you know, this summer or maybe even this fall, I'm not sure how late you would want to go there to do some traveling in the car. But where do you start? Where's the resources? Like if you want to plan a little bit of trip or you want to hit a few of these streams we've talked about, you know, go to your blog, go to the visit center. What would you recommend? Uh, I think my blog is probably as good as any place to start because I, I do have a lot of information there about streams in the various regions. Um, it's not a lot of focus on one region necessarily, but I try to hit a lot of the main ones coming across. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people will read an article and they'll just email me and say, Hey, tell me more about, you know, this stream. Like if I were to go there, where would I stay? A lot of the visitors bureaus, you know, they can be a great resource also, but you know, they're not going to be able to tell you what like, the hatch or what's going to hatch yeah. there, however, you know, how to match something. And that's why you're there, right? That's part of the reason you're, you've got the fly, you are the fly guy. Exactly. But yeah, if you're looking for just general travel information yeah. and where to stay, like the visitors bureaus are are really an underutilized resource. Right. Yeah. Because what does the Visitors Bureau do? Talk about the PA, the Route 6. Like, what do they, if you go to their website, you know, what is the main thing they're spending their time doing? Um, well, our PA Route 6, we're actually one of the DCNR heritage areas. Uh, so there we are kind of tasked with managing and promoting uh, the Route 6 region and businesses within that region, as well as, you know, conservation issues and Right. And by promoting, you mean just basically letting people know, hey, these are these are some great places to stay along the way. Here's some food. Here's some, um, you know, touristy, yeah. right? some cool. Because that's the fun part about it, right? I mean, the fly fishing's great, but I mean, the travel and, you know, getting to know a local area is kind of really the big thing. Yeah. And we have a lot of great natural or, uh, you know, attractions and the assets we have here that are just, you know, historical, whether you want to see like monuments or museums or whether you want to go out and like, for instance, the Kinzua State Park Bridge, you know, it's back in, it was one of the highest railroad arches in the world, but it, back in, I don't know, when it was early nineties, tornado came through and wiped it out, but left half of it standing. 
So like you can walk out on the skywalk, they call it now, and you can be, you know, a couple hundred feet up in the air out in the middle of the valley above the canyon yeah, and, and look down through a glass window to the bottom, you know, stuff like that. Like there's a lot of neat stuff. And it just so happens that underneath that is Kinsua Creek, which is an awesome place to fly fish. Exactly. So, so, you know, you can, it's a great place to pair, you know, that fly fishing adventure with a lot of these unique historical attractions across the region. Exactly. Yeah. And, and for us, like I was saying, we're, we're doing one trip, you know, but like my goal is to really, actually, I would love to put together more of a trout trip as well. I mean, the steelhead thing is, is huge for like the people and I love steelhead fishing and we haven't even talked about like Erie and that whole thing, but I mean, really Pennsylvania isn't like we said at the start, it's trout. That's the amazing thing. It's got these real huge, huge state, lots of trout fishing and uh, brooks, brook trout, uh, brown is, and rainbow. Is that also a pretty popular fishery there? Uh, most of the rainbows are stocked, but but there are a handful of streams, um, especially like Big Spring down around Carlisle, uh, that have natural, you know, reproduction of rainbows. Um, there are a few around here in Potter County, and there are a few that I know of around Oil Creek area. But I mean, it's not it's not a common thing to find, you know, natural reproduction of the rainbows. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, as we kind of start to take it out of here, uh, talk about, um, you know, like, what have we missed? Like your website, resort, things like that. If somebody, again, let's just think of somebody who's who's coming in, maybe they're doing uh, traveling to Pennsylvania or, you know, in that area and they want to put some fishing together. Anything else you want to, you know, talk about from your website or other places that we can dig into some info? Well, I think that anybody searching fly fishing in Pennsylvania is automatically going to come up with searches for like on Spring Creek and Pence Creek and the Little Juniata River. Now, and those are the major, those are the major hubs. Because of the spring creeks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the wild fish. And you start talking about like Carlisle and Latour Spring Run, then you're talking about like the whole history of fly fishing right there. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's where a lot of our modern dry fly techniques were developed. But that also comes with a higher density of fishermen. You know, the streams can get pretty crowded and they get hit year round. You know, like I've already fished there in, you know, first week of January and when there's snow on the ground or whatever, and like there's 10 sets of boot tracks that fished all the same pools that I was going to work, you know, yeah. like you don't realize like how much fishing pressure, how many people fish there until you start fishing there very often. Um, but I think it's important to note that there is a lot of great fishing outside of those areas, you know, and looking to the Northern tier through the mountainous regions, you know, that that's going to give you maybe not the quality of the limestone streams, but we have a lot of great freestone streams that have some excellent wild trout populations. And, um, I think we're starting to realize that even more as time goes on. Uh, there's more stream surveys being done, you know, just more better management of our waterways. There are a lot more wild fish in our streams in this region than what people ever realized, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking, I just searched a uh, fly fishing Pennsylvania, like you said, and and pulled up a, um, so yeah, some top places. Tell me if there's any truth. We talked about a little of this, the this is going to be funny because I'm going to try to pronounce all these. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the, the uh, Yug Haigani. 
Yakagani. Yeah, Yakagani, the Allegheny, the Susquehanna, the Little Juniata, Big Fishing Creek, Cedar Run, Falling Springs Creek. How are those? Do those stack up to like top, some of the top places to fish? Absolutely. The Yakagani is a tailwater fishery. And it relies on the stocking of fingerlings, I believe. I'm not sure that there's any real natural reproduction going on there, but there might be. I don't know. It's been years since I've read up on that yep. particular stream. I fished it and it's awesome. I mean, there's there's just a lot of whopper whopper browns and rainbows through there, but right. But it's a typical kind of tailwater fish. Yes, tailwater. Okay, cool, cool. This is good. You're right. So I think people can do a little of their self discovery but like you said uh, you know if it was me you know i'd be calling you on the phone or sending an email and saying you know hey ralph we're coming in you know give us some insight right and, that, and then you could kind of direct and then you can dig into the visit sites too and say hey okay here's where i'm going here's where i'm staying is there like are people camping out there is that a big thing is it more kind of hotels airbnb sort of thing what's that look like if you're traveling up there on the route over the past two years we've seen really an explosion of uh the campgrounds and the Airbnbs, VRBOs, you know, that kind of, those kind of establishments. Um, it seems like the hot thing right now is that everybody wants to put in a campground whether yeah. they own, where they own one acre or five. Oh, right. So private campgrounds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like even, you know, if somebody has an acre, they want to lease it out for a campground and have a couple spaces there and make some money. But there's just really such a high demand developing for uh, the Northern tier of Pennsylvania and especially North central. So, you know, it's almost like there aren't enough places to keep up with the demand. Um, I think it was us news and world report not too long ago, maybe like three, four months ago, three months ago came out with, uh, an article that named Potter and Tioga counties, the number one destination for outdoor recreation in the, uh, in the state or the country. I believe that was the country. Yeah. Wow. This is, this is good. Not 100%. We'll look that up. We'll fact check that for you. But yeah, it was, if not the country, at least the Eastern. Yeah. Eastern. Right, right, right. You know, cause I know there's some huge places out West that we can't compete with. <laughs> well, you know, it's in, and I'm out West, so it's, it's really interesting, but we have listeners all over the place. And, um, and that's what I love about this, right. Is that. You know, we're exploring, you know, for me, I'm exploring a new place. I haven't been there specifically, but I mean, that's the cool thing about this country, right? And maybe all countries, but there's all these diversity of cool, you know, wild places. Absolutely. And I think people tend to all gravitate toward the most popular ones, you know, when a lot of times, like if I even think of my best days, like even living here uh, in Potter County with First Fork right there and Kettle Creek right there. A lot of times the most fun I have or the best experiences I have are when I go up that, you know, little class A that I've never been up before, you know, or the nice thing about Pennsylvania is if you see a, a water, a stream of some sort, like there's probably fish in it, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you never know what you're going to get there. And, um, so yeah, there's a lot of different things here to explore. Yeah. It's amazing. Cool, Ralph. Well, I think we'll leave it there and uh, definitely we'll keep in touch with you here. This is uh, exciting, especially as I'm starting to put together more trips out there. We're trying to put together kind of a, um, a trout school as well. You know, we got our steelhead school, so we're kind of looking and, you know, the Euro nymphing is cool, right, obviously. But there's, I mean, just like you said, the dry flies. I would love to put together a dry fly school or something like that and go to a place right in Pennsylvania or some, you know, anywhere out there and then have a teacher that could take us there. So, so we'll keep in touch with you on that, but uh, we'll send everybody out to darkskiesflyfishing.com if they have questions. 
And uh, yeah, and we'll just uh, thanks for, again for all your time today and looking forward to staying in touch. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. There we go. Wetflyswing.com slash 461. 461. You can go there right now and grab some uh, show notes, grab some links, check out what we talked about today, take this conversation a little bit further. Quick reminder before we get out of here, Instagram right now, wetflyswing, at wetflyswing. If you're on Instagram, you can follow us and you can get a chance to find out who's coming up next and you can actually submit a question right there for our next guest. And you can win some swag along the way. If you get a moment before we get out of here, please support this podcast and uh, and support our sponsors. This is how we keep uh, the lights on and we keep going strong. Quick listener shout out before we get out of here. Pat Nealon. Here we go. Pat Nealon said, hey, Dave, love the show. Favorite fish in BC are steelhead and cutthroat or triploid rainbow lake fishing. Favorite fish, though, not sure. Too many good species to pick. Love the show and love the giveaway. Cheers, Pat. There we go, Pat. Thanks for checking in and for uh, giving us a shout out on the podcast and uh, doing your best to support the show. We appreciate you and we appreciate anybody out there who wants to support this podcast. You can check in with me right now, Dave at wetflyswing.com if you want to get a shout out on this episode. And like I said, Instagram, if you want to ask a question for the next guest. Okay, let's take a look at where we are heading next and then we will take it out of here. Take it out of here. Here we go. We're turning right around. This is actually the first week. How is this feeling right now? This is a Wednesday, which actually typically we would have an episode here. But uh, tomorrow, um, we are not going to have an episode. We got to wait till Friday. We've moved on from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which we've been doing this year. And now we're still doing three, but we're doing it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I think this just gives us a better chance to uh, give a little breathing room in there. It's like taking that deep breath. Seems like, you know, it was a lot, right? Things are coming and this just gives an opportunity to take a deep breath and be like, all right, tomorrow, a little break time and then we're gonna swing right back in on Friday and we're gonna dig into boats. You know, boats are always a favorite topic for me and I've got a great episode for you on Friday. Uh, we are going in with Outcast. So uh, Outcast has got some great boats. We've been talking about them a lot. They were on one of our recent events. Um, on the Stillwater event, and uh, and we're going to dig into that on boats. And then uh, the following next week, we've got a mega guest coming on. on uh, This will be on Tuesday, so stay tuned for that. I'm not even going to announce that one. I'm just going to keep it a surprise. All right, we're getting out of here. It is a great day. It is nice and warm. We are cruising into summertime. I appreciate you for uh, checking in today, and, uh, and I hope you get a chance to check in with me. Maybe on this trip, we've got um, some big trips going on right now. we got the Steelhead School coming up. Uh, and we are working on a trout school as well. Check in with me anytime. If not there, then online. And uh, I hope you are having a great afternoon, great evening, or great morning, wherever in the world you are. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you for stopping in today and checking out the show. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.